0: Hello and welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast and hopefully you heard my episode on building the business case for diversity and inclusion earlier in the month. Well, this one is about how you might measure where you are with diversity and inclusion and just thoughts on what you might do about improving diversity and inclusion rather than just paying lip service to it in your organisation. Again, this is stuff that I've researched myself. I haven't actually done lots of this because actually when I was in in my role as a people professional diversity and inclusion unfortunately wasn't really on the agenda in fact I was the one of only two female um, executives in a senior management role um, then and there was wasn't a great pipeline of ethnicity or females coming through the organization so it really didn't figure and so I do think this is something that is really important for us to to wake up to. So if that's the case and you you wanted to build a business case, do go back and listen to that episode that we did a few weeks ago on how to build a business case for diversity and inclusion. This is going to focus more on how you can measure, evaluate and improve your diversity inclusion, I suppose, put in place a diversity and inclusion strategy. So we talked about what we meant by diversity and inclusion. We know that um, the metrics and the business case is strong for the fact that a more diverse and uh, I, I stress that most of the data is about gender and racial uh, racial equality in terms of the, where much of the measure is, but this can be extrapolated. Just to think about all kinds of diversity, the benefits, the statistical evidence that those businesses that are uh, have a, have a higher level of diversity and it actually increment improves it increases have a, have a higher level of diversity in their executive team are more profitable. And the same with if they've got a higher level of uh, diversity in terms of both uh, gender and uh, racial diversity, they're more profitable between 25% from, for uh, gender and up to 35% for uh, racial equality. And that's between the t- those businesses in the top quartile and those in the bottom. They also showed the data that we, we looked at, which was from McKinsey mainly, some research that they'd done from 2014 to 2019. They also showed the fact that The majority of that improvement had gone on in like a third of businesses. There are 70% to 60, 70% of businesses have done absolutely nothing on this. And there is some concern that diversity and inclusion might have gone backwards due to coronavirus, which is one of the reasons I thought it's quite a good topic to focus in on at the moment. We've got hybrid working. We've been doing hybrid working to death, haven't we? Um, So this is perhaps something that needs a refresher. So if you're in the position where you have identified that you think this is a topic that's worth looking at, uh, then what is it you might want to do? Well, starting as when I've talked about other things with business case or any kind of measure is what you really want to do is evaluate and benchmark where you are currently now. Ideally, you'd have some great data, but that's not always the case, but we will talk about the data. But there are lots of things that you can look at in your business to understand where you are currently. So you can just take a step back and look at the business from point of view. Is what's the organisational culture like? So um, you know, what are the policies? What are the procedures? So do you have of course, you've got diversity and inclusion policy, but is it a lip serve? This one that's it's a, just been set up, or is something that really shouts out what we're going to do about it in a, a very positive way? Is it does? It, is it living sufficiently? Look at things like your culture might be. To what extent are there? Is there banter which might be exclusive? Is there a bit of a, a you know a group of people that tend to just clique together who are very very similar? Uh, so to what extent do people feel open? Is it an open culture where people are are welcomed and um, everybody's invited to the pub on the Friday or uh, perhaps that doesn't really happen now, does it? But it's something where it's overall you feel that people feel a sense of belonging wherever they come from, whatever their skin colour, age, race, etc., so think about what would you say the culture is? And one of those is be aware of, have you ever had any complaints, that say, from people about microaggressions or harassment or things being said in banter, um, which could be seen as actually harassment? So those sort of things give you an indication about what the low level culture is around openness, inclusion and, and belonging, really. Then you can think about, you know, do you actively celebrate and encourage differences, whether that's uh, differences in in teams, you know, actively encourage people to value differences. Even right down to when I'm doing a management development programme, I'll look at personality differences because actually understanding those and capitalising on those can make stronger teams, regardless of uh, any other actual differences that people have got. But, you know, things like do you celebrate different Birthdays or different just um, birthdays, sorry, celebrate different uh, religious festivals or holidays. Is it very much uh, you know traditional bank holidays, or could you consider giving people an open date that they could use for the, their religious festival of their choice? It's just being aware of all of those kind of things. Is well, how how positively uh, inclusive are you currently, or is it more? Covert, implied, in which case it comes down to the manager. And in the same way, it could also be covert or implied discrimination in some cases. So think about that. Then you can look at things like the employee life cycle. So consider your entire employee life cycle and see whether there's any bias in it. So you can look at um, recruitment in terms of are you interviewing are, you know, people, are people applying? Are you getting a diverse cross-section of people applying for jobs? Does uh, does the proportion of people who apply get through to interview? Um, is there any inherent bias then in terms of them coming through to uh, into the organisation? Uh, and then you can follow that through with your in-house data. Ideally, if you've got a system that you can put these indicators in and you can correlate it. So, you know, is there... Uh, a a pipeline of talent that's diverse in your organization or do you recruit let's say 20% females but you've only got 5% an executive at the top what happens along the way look at things where there might be unconscious bias whether um because we don't know the cause of that, is it? That the women are not applying for it, they're not given the opportunities, uh, they're not given the confidence. There's all kinds of, of reasons, and the same for ethnic and minorities, as to why they might not be making it up the leadership pipeline. And we know that's critical to the overall business success. But there could be other things. Uh, do people get... Uh, proportionate pay reviews if you have something where you do performance related pay is there any discrimination or any difference between those so the data if you can really get some data crunching if that's not your thing get someone else to do it for you where you have got you know anonymized data but actually identify the sex and if they're um, a, an ethnic minority and actually see whether these different tipping points uh, whether whether it's um, pay reviews pay increases bonuses Um, recognition whether it is being applied proportionately to your demographic because that would be very interesting if you found that it wasn't because that would be a sense you you might got some sort of unconscious bias um, in there the other sort of things you can look at with regards to the data are things like engagement surveys or uptake of training for example so are people and, and I'd say that that's an indication of how to what extent people feel they belong So is there a difference in the engagement scores between people who would be seen as um, in in a minority group relative to others? And the same with uptake of training or opportunities for training. Do do they feel able to access or take part in things or participate? So that's quite a bit of homework, really. And that is the most powerful thing you could do to work out where you are, because if you don't know where you are, really, There's not a lot of point in, it's nice, you can have a nice to have, you can have a quick win by updating, doing a religious holidays calendar or um, improving your policies, but it's not going to have real teeth, if you like, as something. So doing a bit of homework, see, have you actually got an issue in your organisation? And that will, of course, allow you to build your strategy. It would help you to think where to focus first. So if you do find that there is evidence of current discrimination, so let's say there's a pocket of your organisation where there's been a history of grievances, of people raising grievances due to banter or microaggressions, well, that's something that needs to be dealt with. And not just in the pocket, it needs to be dealt with overall, but you need to make sure that pocket um, changes. But also looking at whether your data is telling you something where key talent groups are being underdeveloped they're not being given the same opportunities Uh, maybe you're not bringing in key talent or skills um, and or not bringing enough diversity and just overall your diversity of your leadership pipeline so all these areas depending on where you see there's a gap or an issue then that's where you might want to focus because you can't do everything at once and the sort of things that you might do to um to to, to use in terms of your metrics, I suppose, is having identified those things. So if you work out your ratings, you look at um, these could then be uh, goals. So having identified your data, you could then set goals to make sure that you have at least an equal proportionate number of people would get the same, a highest performance rating or a pay increase allocation. Or promotion you can look at things like the percentage of people in senior roles you could also look at whether or not you are retaining people so uh, ensuring that you are retaining proportionate numbers of people uh, you know are you finding that more people from ethnic minorities are joining the organization and leaving them in the short of time period so those are all things that you really can um, focus in on and helps you to uh, to work out what your best plan is And then, of course, some practical recommendations. So um, I've assimilated this information from the CIPD, largely, and also McKinsey and Forbes and Harvard Business Review recommendations. So the recommendations that um, we've got, once you've decided what your metrics are, are, this is what you can do to improve your metrics, to move your dial forwards. Well the starting point is if you have got a gap is to be open and honest and to acknowledge it so to say we are losing you know a high proportion of people within two years uh, who have recruited in who are females or whatever that might be and acknowledging it being open about it and then you need to really think about hardwiring diversity and inclusion into your selection processes, into your policies, into your values. Some organisations even have a diversity inclusion value, but make sure it's not lip service. It's got to be meaningful. So it really has to be. And that means people need to understand why it's important. And you must, must, must get senior management buy-in, which is my next point. So staying with hardwiring diversity and inclusion into our values and selection. It's about As we said earlier, making sure you've got a zero tolerance policy for discriminatory discriminatory behaviour. It might be about educating people on uh, what microaggressions look like. Sometimes they don't know about that. Making sure that your people specs for recruitment are language, gender and even class neutral, that if you're not, there's no unconscious bias in that kind of language look at the imagery that you have or the internal advertising or who tends to be the people presenting or the videos. You know, is there a diverse picture being being put out there in terms of who who is actually being presented as either the face of the organisation um, or people communicating into the organisation? In terms of the buy-in and commitment, well, I do think it's helpful if you want to give them a business case so you can get them to understand that more so. Um, but this is where you're going to, if you do have those strong metrics, that data is going to be really helpful for you to uh, convince them and also show that it's worth putting some money behind it because you can show that you've had an impact. In terms of data, of course, this is a no brainer. Make sure that you do have full consent in place with gathering your data and the GDPR and people know and anonymized data appropriately. It's really about you using it as a benchmark and make sure that it is representative diversity training thought that's an interesting one isn't it because not everybody I think unconscious bias training for example has had really negative really negative press and yeah I think that doesn't mean we shouldn't educate people we absolutely should educate people what I understand that that is more effective if you want to educate people is to make sure that again it's it's sort of baked into everything else. So if you do a management development program, make sure there's something on diversity then. It's not just something we do as a tick box exercise. It's something that's woven into who we are and everything we do. In terms of things like the unconscious biases, apparently one of the downsides of unconscious bias training was that some people felt that um, just being educated about what bias looked like helped them realize that they had these biases and they were normal. Um, so almost reinforce them. So the key is making sure that that bias training emphasises that having bias is not permanent. It's not. It's it can be something that's unlearned. But the key is really helping participants to connect their behaviour to the disadvantages and discrimination that different people chase. That so the impact of those biases and also the impact of not having bias. Things like the um, business case for um, diversity. So make sure they understand why it's important. Building on the training or the education piece is mentorship programs seems to be a really constructive way forward and I remember this a couple of years ago when I was involved in women in tech that having a female mentor um, was something that was really helpful to people now I don't think you've got if you've only got a couple of ethnic minorities or you know, minority groups In executive roles doesn't mean that they're the only people who can be mentors. You don't want to break them with having to mentor everyone coming into the organisation. I think anyone can mentor others, but make sure that the mentors maybe have the right skills and have the right mentality. And actually, it could be really helpful for an ethnic minority or a female to have a, a, a white male Um, mentor if they've got that they've got your back who's going to really be alert to what are the challenges that you have you're actually educating them in terms of the challenges but really supporting you so making sure that people get this mentoring um, in place that they feel included they feel they've got access to things they've got the support and there's really good metrics around the benefits of mentoring so some mentoring programs have have translated into a 72% higher retention rate so actually retaining talent and this maybe doesn't it's not just about diversity and inclusion is it it's actually retention is a key aspect put in a mentoring program that's something to do and I did do a podcast on that a a few months ago so I've got a podcast on how to set up a mentoring program that you can look back on through the um, archives that might be useful if that's something you want to do more of but the final point, really, number seven is be positive and ambitious. So don't pay lip service to it. Really get everybody shout from the rafters about building a positive, diverse culture where everybody feels they can bring their whole self to work. Managers need to communicate and visibly embrace their commitment and really be up with it. Um, and it's, it's really about ensuring that this is done for real um, and getting everyone's side. And that requires a level of energy and leadership and sponsorship, and also it will take a bit of time. But I would really strongly recommend that you look at some of those actions, but mainly start with benchmarking where you are currently and then set some targets that can be put into the overall business strategic objectives. Set some targets around the areas that you think will add the most value to your organisation and make sure that they're seen publicly and they're valued. So I hope that was useful. Um, We've talked, of course, about the business benefits of diversity and inclusion. We've talked about how you can evaluate and benchmark your current position, the sort of metrics you can use, how you can analyze your culture and policies, just how you might just take a step back and understand where you are. By doing that benchmarking, you can then think about how you might improve things um, by looking at the data and where to focus. So you can then put in place let's say, a key target that you want to achieve. So you might want to increase the numbers of people on the leadership pipeline or recruitment of um, more balanced recruitment, diverse recruitment. So set some targets, be open and honest about those. And then when you've got those targets, think about which of those recommendations um, about processes, buy-in, training, education, mentorship, um, which of those tips might help, you most to move this forward to make sure that we're all going forwards on this really important topic and overcome any of the stagnation that might have been caused by the pandemic okay so I hope that was helpful thanks once again for listening Um, I have done a, a webinar on this so on this topic so if you want to see a webinar recording you can do that I do webinars for actors every month so um, this month has been all about diversity so if you want that and there's also slides are accessible so just email us if you want to borrow the slides on this to summarize thanks for listening i really hope you found this week's episode useful and enjoyable if you did perhaps you could recommend us to a friend or colleague or give us a review on your platform of choice It really helps new listeners to find us. Now, you can access links to any of the information mentioned in this show via the website www.hruprising.com. Further free resources are also available at www.actus.co.uk. There, you can also find out more about our software and training solutions. Finally, why not join our LinkedIn group, The HR Uprising, to share ideas and collaborate with other like-minded people professionals. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising podcast.